as a kid growing up, there's a bunch of things that you look to for inspiration. Other artists, or athletes, business people, you know, trying to find what it was that kind of made them tick. And hopefully I can learn something. Muse to me is a person that challenges what's ordinary. And through challenging what's ordinary, you wind up inspiring a shitload of people. Welcome to the Muse Project. The Muse Project is conversations with high-level performers to understand their methods, habits, and to grasp the deeper reason behind why they do what they do. Today's guest is Sean Jayachandran. Sean's coaching career has taken him through both the John Wooden and Lefty Drizzle coaching trees, as well as having worked and learned from Morgan Wooden, Joey Wooden, Bobby Hurley Sr., and Tommy Emmaker. Every program Sean has been affiliated with has shown new ways of teaching the game and a love for that game to student-athletes. Sean consistently puts himself in a position to improve his ability to teach the game. Now, Sean's current role is the CEO of Crossover Basketball and Scholars Academy. It works towards changing the pathway of low-income, marginalized students in India by engaging educators and schools to participate in a program using basketball to teach leadership, gender equity, and critical thinking. Now let's dive into this episode. Sean, how are you doing, sir? Always good, Adib. Always good. Always good to hear from you. Glad to see you thriving, succeeding, growing, everything that you, you hope someone your age is working on. Man, he's being too kind right now. I just want to let you know how I met Sean. You know, Sean actually allowed me to come to his trip with Crossover in Chennai, India. And that's something that I wanted to talk about first was his nonprofit that he has. So, Sean, could you talk about that? Just Crossover, what you have going on now, how you started and how you got involved with it. Sure, yeah, that's a big question. So, Crossover is the idea that we can impact gender equity and education rates in those underserved, marginalized communities. In India, as a starting point, hopefully more at some, later on, but and using the game of basketball, using that tool of play to connect with kids. Mm-hmm. So many times we hear people needing to do more, study more, work harder, and the human spirit just can't hold all of that. Mm-hmm. Like we do see those exceptions that clearly triumph over everyone, and my mom is one of those stories, but at the end of the day, it really is its very difficult to say, hey, look, you have all the cards stacked against you, and somehow you have to still do more than everyone else. But if we can teach through play, if we can connect with kids and say, hey, you can learn about being a leader because of how you play. You can learn about gender equality through play, those communication skills through play. And then, oh, by the way, this applies to your community, your classroom, your family. That's a game changer. It isn't just teaching you how to do a math problem. I'm teaching you how to solve multiple problems across all different facets of your life. And so it started as an idea back in 2010. I mentioned my mom. The short stories and the amazing stories, my mom was born into an orphanage in Chennai, India in the 1950s. If you can picture that, the odds of success of an orphan girl in India almost 70 years ago is wild. And my mom is that triumph story. She worked her tail off. She studied by candlelight. She earned a scholarship Mm. in high school and then to university, immigrates to Canada, marries my dad, and I'm born into a very different life than should have ever been expected. But as we thought about it, man, it shouldn't be that hard for someone to get out. It just shouldn't. 
And I've been blessed with different opportunities in my life and people that I've been connected to who have mentored me and I've passed that forward. And crossover became this idea that like, man, we can help you cross over that divide. Gotcha. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Sean, was the fact that you're a South Asian man doing basketball. Now, that's super unique in its own right, super blunt at that. But I think as me as a South Asian person as well, I feel like it's really unique that you had a great foundation in regards to your parents. Because I actually have met your dad when I went to Chennai and how cool and awesome he was and how supportive he was about your idea about crossover. Now, other people that I know that are in the South Asian community, aren't their parents aren't as supportive of them going into basketball. Their parents want them maybe to go be a doctor or go be a lawyer or do something within that realm. And what you're doing is not only are you doing going against the grain, you're actually succeeding and you're pushing. You're just raising the bar each time. So if you could just talk about that, that would be great. Just in regards to that whole situation. You know... All of our parents as immigrants are caught in this arms race of trying to find their footing and they're trying to go, they're navigating stuff that we sometimes forget that they are also navigating. Like we, we can look at our own experiences as being a brown person in America, but we kind of forget that they are dealing with people who are 30 years, 40 years older than us in their generation who weren't as accepting. So they're, there's a whole mishmash. And so, those expectations of, hey, like, let's go be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a computer scientist, are partly from this anxiety that, that we just want our kids to be successful. Right. And it took me a while to understand that. It took my parents, you know, I was allowed to play sports as long as I excelled in the classroom. That was straight up what it was. A story that always humors me and that my high school coach brings up a side note. You know, I played sports and my dad coached me in soccer and he He's very understanding. He's a hardworking blue-collar man, and he really ins and outs of how games work. But in high school, when I moved to the U.S., I was coached by a man named Bill Sweek. And Coach Sweek was the sixth man on three UCLA championship teams back in the day under Coach Wooden. Played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, his boys with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And all of a sudden, I had this man who was, like, pushing me at every turn, right? And him and my mom got together second semester of senior year of high school, right? We're all like, okay, we've applied to colleges. It's time to coast. I can just focus on the season. Yeah. Right? We've all mm-hmm. been there. Yeah. My interims come out, and this is going to sound like a humble brag, but it's what it is. My interim GPA, like a 3.4 instead of a 3.9. And my mom and my coach have a sit-down meeting with me being like, that's not good enough. Mm. Like, and... I'm looking at them like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, I have higher grades than everybody on this team. Like, what what are you possibly thinking about? And it was one of the first times that that light bulb starts to go on, right? My mom is clearly upset as a mom that I'm not doing well. My coach looks at me, though, and says, look, I know what you're capable of. If you're only giving me a 3.4 in the classroom instead of a 3.9, how can I trust that you're not giving me a 3.4 on the court instead of a 3.9? Like, how we act has to be this consistent. You can't turn things on and off as much as we want to always think about it. Right, And that struck a chord and helped my mom to understand where sports was helping me. and struck a chord where I was able to understand it. And, And my journey into basketball came through after I finished college, 
I went into teaching and education for a long time. And my parents getting to witness me on the sidelines and mm. witness the impact I was having on young people. Mm. And they started to be like, wow, like, my son is super well respected and liked and loved by these parents, by these kids, by all these different people, because he's passing on that same, that same love. And, and to be honest, though, when I started Crosswood, when I floated the idea, they looked at me like I was crazy, right? Sean, this is nuts. Basketball in India is not going to work. This isn't a sport they play. You're talking about gender equality. You're talking about mm-hmm. things that... Right don't resonate like this isn't what people do and i was like well you know let's test it out let's see what we can do and and at the end of the day we've had these conversations we're just being a good person day in and day out not trying to always take from somebody else but finding ways to give to them it pays off two three four years later the amount of times that we started crossover i met people like cool how can i help you i don't have much to give but what can i give and then a few years later, this person like, hey, I'm in a position to introduce you to right to Converse, to Nike, to, and sometimes those conversations work and sometimes they don't. But a great one is a kid I worked with when he was coming up through the high school ranks by the name of Eric Obersaker. Eric is a kid from San Francisco, came to the Harvard camp. I worked with him at the elite camp. Great kid. Ends up playing at Holy Cross. So here's how the ball bounces, right? My buddies end up being on the coaching staff at Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. I'm, they task me with helping run their camp at Holy Cross. Eric clearly is there as a student athlete. Connect with him again. Oh, I loved you, coach. You were so nice. Awesome. Hey, you want to go to India with me? Like, He's like, I, what are you talking about? Go check with your coaches. They can vouch. Eric comes on that first program to India. Awesome. Great experience. Eric shares his experience with other people. All of a sudden, we have a kid named Kiran Shastri who is playing and wants to volunteer. Kieran is also from San Francisco, knows Eric. For those of you who don't know, Kieran's playing professional basketball in Asia right now. He's been playing for the last few years after graduation, crushing it in the three-on-three professional leagues. Kieran introduces us to AJ Matthew, who also wants to volunteer. All of a sudden, we're building this diasporic contingent, you know, and they're sharing it with people. All of a sudden... We get a Shilpa Tumala, we get an AJ, we get a Sai Tumala, we get Shana Mehta, we get you. We get different people who are like finding us because they're seeing the good. And all it came from was me helping a kid 13 years ago at Harvard's elite camp and being a good person to him. Mm. Right? And that spin out yeah. effect that we can never predict happens. For sure. And I love what you said earlier in regards to impact. I really appreciate what you said because the next question I wanted to ask you was regards to the children that you work with at Crossover. And, you know, when I went to India with you, it was probably, it was so much fun seeing their faces just light up like a Christmas tree, just about the fact that we were just going to play basketball and talk about school. Because if you go there, to be completely blunt about it, the classrooms aren't the same as they are in America, right? I mean, we're talking about having you know, 15 to 20 kids pre-COVID in a classroom. You're talking about maybe 50 kids in a classroom in a size that's only supposed to have 20 kids, 15 kids even. But, you know, it kind of shows their passion and drive to just learn. And education is so powerful. 
So I wanted to just hear what you had to say about working with the children through crossover and using it crossover as a vehicle for change. And I know you love to use that phrase. And I use that phrase all the time now talking about the game of basketball. But yeah, so if you could just spill on that. It's a powerful term, right? That vehicle of change and creating impact because I think a lot of times people think of impact as something that just occurs and they don't think of the fact we can actually go and create, that we can, we can create impact, we can create hope, we can create circumstances in which people succeed and, and the environments. And so when we're creating impact, a lot of the idea is, oh my gosh, how much and how important is it to know that somebody cares about you? And that, and we speak about this a lot as we're prepping for that trip to India. And as we get there the first few days, I'm like, you don't have to do anything perfect except for know this child's name. If you know their name, they are a person, and they know you are showing up every day to be impactful. That it isn't a one-day program. And with Crossover, we're working so hard to make it even longer every time. But... So many people show up to one day to something and they, they pat themselves on the back and they're out and we're like, no, no, this is two to three weeks. We're going to be there. We're going to be putting in the time. And then we want you to try and create those connections that last beyond it. And, and that impact resonates. All of us can think back to, and this is what I share with, with our crossover team, all of us can think back to moments in time that had an effect. I can think back and I had a teacher in eighth grade, who was massively impactful, Ishmael Dawood. He was awesome. Black man from South Africa, changed the way I thought of everything. But can I think of every day of every minute of every year I spent with Mr. Dawood? Zero chance. But I know moments, and I know trigger moments that make me think of it. I mentioned Coach Sweet. I don't remember every single practice, but I remember that meeting with my mom where he shared that specific message. And when you think about impact, my philosophy on it is we can we want to jam as many of those moments into the time that we are with those with those children because we want them to know basketball goes beyond the court that if you learn how to communicate with people and work as a teammate it goes forever and that impact i think is i think that's what you were asking about is how we're always driving to be mindful of the approach and therefore those interactions each day. I think crossover is an exhausting experience for all of us, whether you've done it once, whether you've done it seven times. And every time we go into that moment, I think you guys remember me looking at us and saying, hey, it's, it's go time. I need three hours of just pure energy yeah. right now. I don't care how tired you are. <laughs> Give me three hours That's and then you can crash and I'll feed you. Right? Yeah. Like, but those kids... That three hours is so momentous, and it's it is there are only three hours there for that day, right? Yeah, and it reminds me so much of if people are watching The Last Dance and the the documentary on ESPN right now about Michael Jordan, and maybe I carried this from from being a kid when Jordan was playing, but Jordan always said he gave everything on the court because there was always some kids in the crowd that this was going to be their one chance to see Michael Jordan play. And if it was their one chance, he couldn't go out there and coast because that would be their eternal memory of him. And that idea of legacy and what we leave behind, it's easy to be short-sighted, but we all do leave these 
legacies among everyone we interact with. And that Jordan line always resonated and it's come back. They talked about it in the last dance again, where, and you've got to go. Like when you're on that, when it's go time, you've got to go to show people, you show them by your effort how much you care. Mm-hmm. Because kids are the greatest litmus test of if of your BS meter in the world, right? They know when you're BSing them. I don't care, any kid in the world. Like, they know a real smile from a fake smile. They know real eyes from a fake eyes. And we've had one or two cross from volunteers that were fake, and the kids spotted them immediately, right? We've sent them home, like, where I'm like, wow, you are not here for the right reasons. And those kids know it. They don't, they don't feel any connection. They know yeah. you're, you're just checking off boxes and impact comes from us generating that internal energy to show in our effort and in our interactions. So to stem from that, I think what you made a great point was the authenticity you have to have as a leader when, especially when the kids that Crossover is dealing with are so pure in the sense that all they want to do is just be around and learn and just take part. So as a leader, how do you think you can maintain that authenticity and get everyone to buy into the level of authenticity to preach to those kids that what we're doing is real and it could definitely impact you? Vulnerability. That's the word that keeps popping in my head. When you, when you say the word authenticity, I think of vulnerability. I think great leaders are able to show that they're vulnerable. It doesn't mean I'm going to have an entire crying therapeutic session around you. It does mean that I'm going to admit, man, this is different. Man, we didn't expect this to happen. You know, and keeping perspective. Because leadership comes from, anybody can be a boss. I think leadership comes from the idea of like, look, we've got this. Right? Like, hey, X, Y, Z, this is happening. This should have happened. It didn't. Cool. It's easy to be the boss and to be look like a good leader when everybody's winning. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you're winning, everybody just assumes you know what you're doing. For sure. Think they're rocky. Yeah. That's when that trust factor game comes in, right? Like, do you trust that from all our other interactions, that when something goes off course, that I, that we've got this? A story from when you were there is we were coming back late night from an amazing visit to a crocodile farm, which for anyone who's hearing this. Dude, the crocodile farm in India outside of Chennai is second to none. It's MIT, it's Harvard, every research lab. It's hundreds of crocodiles, and they have a night tour, which is just one of the coolest things Honestly, to walk through an interaction. For sure, for sure. And it's still India, so you're really not that far away from these animals, like <laughs> at the end of the day. But we're coming back, we stop for some snacks, and our bus breaks down. And there's a moment of fear and leadership because we have a flight now within the next five to six hours. I know that a lot of my volunteer students have not finished packing. I know that we need to get back and we need to get to the airport three hours before a flight. There's traffic, but I also have to be like, we've got this. You can go into yelling frenzied mode, yelling at a bus driver. None of that's going to work. Hey guys, go get some food. We'll figure this out. We got it. Even more so, we had that backup bus come pick us up. Which was the best moment ever. (laughs) It's just the next start of it. Yeah. We get further in, and there's a DUI checkpoint. And the backup driver, it was his night off. I don't blame him. He'd had one or two drinks. 
and the police pull him over. Again, in India, it is a place where money talks, especially with the officers. It's our last night there. I have no cash on me. Like, we're done. I told you guys to get rid of your cash at that point. I know that you guys are now panicked in the back of that bus. And I'm just keeping that door somewhat closed. I'm like, I've got this. Just let us work through it. And again, stems back to being authentically good to people. Pays off in ways you never know. We are sitting there. They want to commandeer the bus. They're going to arrest all of us, basically. They're going to hold us. We're going to miss our flight. End of story. Except that a constable walks around, sees us. He sees me and says, sir, you're the coach who's coaching basketball to the girls at Holy Angel School. Yeah, yeah, we are. My daughter goes to that school. I see you working with those children every day. We will take care of this. And all of a sudden, all the corruption, all of the fear and panic that's going through everyone, again, gone. Why? Because we've had this authentic leadership going through the system where it's going to work. It's not going to work always the way we see it going to work, but it's going to work. And we're going to find that pathway. I reflect on that story so often because two totally separate events that shouldn't have had any connection point do. And it's, it happens because we're authentic and we're good and we're, we're out there for the right reasons. And somebody who we never noticed for the three weeks we were there sees us in a different setting and is able to help us. And I think that authenticity, that leadership comes through because it's easy to go through the motions every day. It's super easy to go, yep, go to class, check. Take my notes, check. But are you really present? Are you pushing yourself to just be, and it, and I, share this so often nobody's asking you to be perfect and nobody's asking you to be a hundred percent every day we're asking is and you should ask yourself is can i be marginally better than i was yesterday like can i be half a percent better than the person i was yesterday because all those stack and if you just stack them after eight months ten months you're like wow like i have a whole I've cleared a whole hurdles that never looked possible. A good analogy of that is like weight loss, right? Or exercise. You know, you can't lose 30 pounds in a week. It's just possible. It would be very terrible. But if you lose a pound a week, cool. In 10 months, you've lost 30 pounds, right? By Christmas, you're like, look, I look great. I feel great. Can't do that in a day. And, nobody, and, and nobody's going to believe you if they see you in the gym for a day, right? In mm-hmm. basketball terms, a deep nose as, as well as anyone. Nobody's going to believe you if you show up once and you're like, man, I put in my work. I should be good. Like, you show up every day. You show up to just get this much better. It's why sports is such a good analogy and a good teaching point for kids because nobody is perfect at sports. I don't care who you are. There has never been a perfect player who has never missed a shot, who has never had a not had a turnover, who has never missed an assignment. Everybody makes mistakes. And the only thing a good coach asks of you and a good person asks of themselves is, cool, can I learn from that and get a little bit better? And do this just a little bit better next time, right? And, and that's all we're asking for in a leader, right? 
do I believe that leaders trying to get better and that they care about if I get better? And Deep, you, sh- you shower with me with too much praise sometimes. Because <laughs> that's all I really ask of you, right? Did you get better? Look, is this in the long term helping you get better when you make that decision? Or is it, which we all fall trapped for, and I think you always kind of expect me to come down harder on you than I ever do. <laughs> like, we all stumble. We all trip. Cool. Yeah. Get back up. Like, get your ass back up and take the next step forward. Right? It's all we care about. But, you know, I think we sometimes we've all been conditioned that, man, a mistake is like devastating. And it's, and I hear it in your voice. Like when we speak, sometimes you're like, man, I can't believe it. I'm like, dude, it's fine. Cool. What are we doing today? Right? It happened. What do we do today? You know that when that situation comes up in the future, you're not going to make that same mistake. Sean, why do you do what you do? Last question. (laughs) And I'll end it at there. Blankest question. The thing is, with the podcast, the name The Muse Project stems honestly from Kobe. I thought about this idea for the longest time. And The Muse Project, I want it to be a platform where people talk about things and why they do what they do. What inspires them? So, Sean, why do you do what you do? You know, all of them sound corny, and I'm going to live into corniness, right? Like... There's an inherent beauty in knowing, you're putting, in knowing that you're putting good in the world. And it sounds selfish, and I know it. And my friends and our board yell at me constantly that I, I get caught into this. Does it make me sound selfish? The world only works when we pay things forward. The, only, the world only works when, like, whoever gave my mom a scholarship 50 years ago didn't think that we're going to be sitting here Right? Like, they don't see, we can never see the full impact of what we're doing when we put good in the world. You just know that you put good in the world. And, and putting good in the world just means that we're able to live into our authentic self. Right? Like, people at the end of the day want to be good people. I, and I get burnt by that. And Adib knows this as well as anyone. Like, I, I get burnt by believing in the good of people. It happens on occasion. It doesn't mean you stop believing in the good of people. But, there's something wonderful about, hey, we can create change in moments that, that carry and resonate in history. And all of us have these people. They don't go, they don't get written about. They don't get put in history books. Nobody's making a documentary about every person that makes an impact. But we know that all of those move the needle just that much forward every day. And, and I think that's where, like, why do we do what we do? Because there's a greater purpose that's coming. And we're seeing that in this COVID-19 world, right? That all these people that never thought about how they rely on other people are starting to realize that maybe they do rely on other people, right? We rely on you to be a good person so I'm safe, you know? And I rely on you to be a good person so I'm safe. And we sometimes forget that that's, that human interaction is there, that every interaction has some good and I think with crossover, it's easy to forget how lucky we are that somebody paid those blessings forward at some point. And by the small act of doing good, new good occurs. I never thought when I started crossover that I would get to interact with so many cool people. And again, it sounds selfish. I've had some of the greatest 
interactions and now connections in the world because of starting crossover. When I started crossover, never in my life was I like, oh, I'll get to go to the first NBA games in India. Like, I'll get to hang out with the NBA and WNBA players. I will have people on in movies and TVs who want to call me to talk to me about what we're doing. Like, I was just thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool to put a basketball in some kids' hands and teach them that there's there's a beauty in a game and there's a beauty in play that we can get out and do. And so I wish I had a good answer. And I think that's that's always the question I come back to is the why. And because it can get you can get caught up into the the nitty gritty, right? I just had we just had a board call last night and we're here like, okay, we need to raise X amount more dollars this year. We have to plan what's our pivot for COVID-19, which you'll be excited about, happy to share, that like we are starting an online coaching certification program, right? So that we can teach those new generation of coaches in India. They can go through the modules and we can now use all these people that have connected with us to be in teaching 10, 15 minute modules. Awesome. But, and that's a way of paying it forward because now that's, that spider arms out, right? Their tentacles can go out and touch the next 100, 200 kids each, right? But the why is always this, like, I'll put it the other way. Why not? Like, what are we gaining by, by holding on to our talents and our who we are so tightly that we don't share? Because as weird as it sounds, when we do that, we lose out on meeting and connecting and interacting with the world that is that's so spacious. There's only one, we, don't, we, we get this one chance to do this stuff, right? And if we shut it down and you're protecting the, you know, the why not, why would I do that? My question always is like, why wouldn't you, right? Like, you know, you and I had those conversations when you were learning about crossover and I was like, look, we're not trying to produce any pros. <laughs> you're like, why not? And I was like, because that's the most outlandish idea of trying to find a professional athlete in India. But how about if, why don't we just go have fun and, and change some lives? Cool, we can do that, you know? And the why not, I think, get is, is the question that, that always comes back to me. It's like, why wouldn't I do this? Mm-hmm. Like, we get to do so much. Like, you know, I'm looking at you, and so I'm thinking about this. of like, man, a deep, like, if you hadn't done crossover, like if you were like, man, I don't want to spend a month of my summer prepping and living in hot India and, and having this dude push me every day to be better and to reflect the good. Like that sounds, I can see where people are like, man, that does not sound like it's for me. This guy makes me work hard. And then he's asking me to like blog about it and think about it. And I don't want to do all that. I can easily as a high school or college kid be doing something way more fun every night in the summer. We all know that. But the why not's the fun part, right? Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Like, why wouldn't you want to go and meet new people and interact and, and think of the connections that just that summer made for you? And then the next set of connections it made. And then the next set, right? Right, right? like, how has it impacted your college experience? How has it impacted who you get to know? Like, the fact that you can pick up the phone and call a few Division One coaches without hesitation. And they're like, oh yeah, cool, you're part of Sean's crossover program? what you need to know about, right? The fact, so why, why wouldn't we all want to, to have, to get to know some of the great people in the world and not everyone's great. That's, 
going to happen. I, I shared that earlier. Sometimes you get burnt. Cool. Okay. But if we keep things in perspective, and I'm not saying this is easy. I have the same problem. Man, that person burnt me. And sometimes I need to stop. And Adib, you, you've been fantastic for this, where you remind me of like, man, do you know any people you've had positive things with? Like, don't let the one take away the the 3,000, the 5,000 to counterweight each one. And I think that's that's the why, right? We get to experience a different life by sharing and by being authentic and by connecting and by leading with the heart versus being closed off and missing out. I'll close with this, right? Like you mentioned that you got to interact with my dad and I, and I shared on the other hand, my parents thought this was crazy. After my dad wanted to go with me after a few years, he was like, this sounds neat. I, I just need to see it. Can I come? And I said, sure. Like, great. And I've had such a great connection with my dad getting to see me in a space because our dads are our dads, right? They've always been the leaders of our families, patriarchal, historical, not being misogynistic. It's just what it was 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And my dad getting to see me leading and he has to follow me and Hey, I got this. But that, that, again, I would never have predicted that experience coming out of it that my dad, like, He's so used to hanging out and watching me work and learn. And his love of what we do, for everyone listening, my dad is terrible at basketball. Like, I don't think the man knows how to dribble, let alone shoot. But he volunteers. And Adib sees this again with that authenticity. And I, again, I'm blessed with my dad being this man. That the kids all know my dad is the man. Like, like every kid who comes to Crossover loves my dad as the person they check in with, he checks their name off the list. And I joke around that we, when we did the post surveys of the kids, a quarter of the kids say that my dad is their favorite Crossover coach. The man who can't play basketball. Why? Because they never met a Tata or a grandfather figure who actually cares and wants to joke around with them. It's to a T. That's what they say. Like, this is crazy that this old dude is a homie and wants to like joke around with us, you know, and yet, you, you know, you did touch it. Like I'm blessed with having pretty cool parents in that regard. And that's cool. But man, you can't predict how the life comes and changes, but I know that good things are going to happen if I put myself out there. So Sean, thank you so much. That was beautiful. Honestly, your authenticity is contagious and I and I'm glad that we're friends and you're a mentor to me and what you have going on and with crossover and everything that you stand for is hopefully when I'm down the road 10 years, I can say that I'm a great reflection of your values and what you've said to me and that's I am a I'm a product of what you've been saying and preaching to me. So I do want to thank you for coming on, taking time out of your busy schedule during this quarantine time to come on the sure. uh, the Muse Project. And I appreciate you very much, sir. Proud of you, Deep. You're already doing that. You're a great reflection. So, you know, the shower and the praise is back to you. I know you're impacting lives. Congratulations on upcoming presidency on whatever it looks like, <laughs> how you interact. But... I hope you, you're posting this podcast out to all those new upstate students so that they have a way of seeing who their authentic leader is coming into college, right? And what a cool way to interact and, and add some interaction on it. So 
Perfect. My brother, thank you so much. I look forward to, to more text messages and phone calls in the future. <laughs>